Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. I think there is the stereotype that if you're an elite athlete, you should take away all processed sugar and you should just be eating clean and healthy and you'll be this amazing phenomenal athlete. (laughs) And the truth is, that's just not the case at all. That you can have cookies and brownies and ice cream. Now, it depends on when you're going to have it. You wouldn't want that clearly the night before a big game. But having a relationship with sugar and having a good relationship with sweets is so important because then there's no power over it. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, if I want to have dinner and enjoy a cookie after dinner, great. You really can do that. Hey, everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Welcome back to RealPod, everybody. I am so freaking excited for this episode because I think this conversation is so important. It is so needed because so many of us as athletes struggle with how to navigate food, when to eat, how to eat, what to eat. And I wanted to bring in someone who I just absolutely love as a person. She is the coolest. You will soon find that out. But also she is just an expert. And I worked with her when I was an athlete at USC. She's been working as a sports dietitian at USC since 2009. So she is very familiar with athletes. She specializes in eating disorders, disordered eating, and sports performance. This guest is fantastic. Joining me today is Christy Morell, a registered dietitian and nutrition educator, helping student athletes transform their relationship with food and their bodies. Not only has she worked at USC for two decades, but she's worked for the LA Kings and she runs her own Los Angeles-based private practice. If you follow the RealPod Instagram, which is just at RealPod, follow that if you don't already, you were able to submit questions for today's episode. So we are going to dive into all of that and answer everything you guys asked. I want to add a little side note. While you all know I am a religious, intuitive eater, and I don't measure out cups and section off portions, etc., in this episode, Christy and I are going to talk about some tactics that involve those things, which is okay. I really want to stress that. Everyone's relationship with food is different. Some of you might function better approaching food differently than I do, and that is okay. The biggest thing that I wanted to provide in this episode was information and options. And Christy is going to present so much incredible information, tactics, and ways that you can navigate food as a student athlete so that you can walk away with what you think will be best. Before we jump into this episode, I want to give a big shout out to Daniela, who left a review that literally makes me smile so much my cheeks hurt. This review says, this podcast has changed my life. Seriously, RealPod is the best thing I have ever found. I listen to an episode every time I work out, shower, and breathe. I think I have listened to the episode with Elise Resch like 15 to 20 times now. A game changer. I 100,000% recommend this podcast. Much love. Daniela, oh my God. Thank you so much. And if you loved the Elise Resch episode, episode on intuitive eating. You are going to love this episode too, just because of all the information and the ways that we discuss food and approaching our eating regimens. If you are also enjoying the podcast as much as Daniela, please go leave me a review and a rating. I would love to hear from you. It means the world and it really helps out the show. So go to iTunes. It takes less than 10 seconds to just leave a little rating and review. And you just might be the special shout out that I read on the show next week. 
Thank you so much to those of you who keep coming back. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Without further ado, please help me welcome the fabulous Christy Morell. I'm so excited. I'm having flashbacks to being in your office, asking you probably all the questions I'll ask you today. And I'm just so grateful that you are willing to share your wisdom and your knowledge so openly because so many athletes don't have like elite level nutritionists or dietitians or access to this sort of information. So appreciate your generosity. And I know everyone is hyped. Oh, please. It's my pleasure. I am so (laughs) excited to be here. I love following you. I love your story, your message, your realness. It's everything everybody needs to hear. So thank you. And you were kind of like bird's eye view, like right there with me for everything because I met you when I was a freshman and I was, uh, I'll never forget. And I know we've talked about this before. I was like, oh, I don't need help at all. I was like, I count my calories. I do this and that. So I know what I'm doing. And then a month or two later, I was like, I have no idea. I'm eating all the time and I'm, I feel like I'm gaining weight and I'm so muscular. And you were like, I know, honey. Yes. It's time. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that begins an issue right there. When somebody says to me, I'm counting my calories and I feel like I'm doing well. I'm like, mm, let's talk about that. So do you really need to be counting your calories in order to be at your best level of fitness and your best playing weight? No. So, you know, when somebody tells me they're counting their calories as an athlete, I get a little bit like, let's talk about it. What exactly do you count? Where could that possibly lead into challenges down the road? And most of them do. Yeah. Well, I love that. I, this is, these are the things we want to know are, should you be counting calories? What does that look like? I think a great question to just kick us off with is how much should a college athlete be eating? And we can talk specifically about probably female athletes. Right. So it's, it's, it's difficult to answer that question in the exact number because it's based on so many factors. It's based on your sport. It's based on what you play in your sport, whether you're a goalie or not. So it's difficult to give exact numbers for the most part. It's much higher than what people think. That's the truth. So whether it's, you know, maybe around 2,800 to 3,200 to sometimes 35 to 4,000 calories calories per day. And how you would know that really is based on how you're feeling. So if you just take all the equations out of the picture and I were to just interview and talk to an athlete about how are you feeling? How are you fueling? How are you deciding what to eat that day? And if they start telling me they're deciding to eat based on some fad diet or that you know, they're really watching their carbohydrates or their fat intake, that's when I start really going into, well, let's look at a day in the life of you. How do you feel? How do you feel during practice? How do you feel after practice? How do you feel at nine o'clock at night? And if you're starving and you're like eating the refrigerator at nine o'clock at night, that's telling me that you're under fueling during the day. That was one of the biggest things that blew my mind when we were working together is how much I needed to eat because coming from high school sports or even just uh, a different level, I remember looking at the amount of food I was now just genuinely hungry for because of all the practice I was doing and thinking, oh my gosh, this is the same amount of food my brothers used to eat or this is way more than what Seventeen magazine told me I should be eating. And you were like, yes, you need three meals. You need like two or three snacks. How would you break it down in terms of just meal snack ratio? That was a big question we got. So absolutely three meals and three snacks. And those snacks might be mini meals. (laughs) A snack may not just be a handful of almonds and, you know, a piece of fruit. So again, it's really individualized. I would say to any person listening to this is just ask themselves how they feel. If two hours later or three hours later after a meal, you're really hungry. Great. Have a good snack. But that might mean if you don't have time to do that, your breakfast or your lunch may need to be increased. So that's the truth, which is if you just listen to your body. So if you were to just listen to your body and not listen to the magazines and all of that, (laughs) you would have probably been guided down the right direction. But a lot of people have fear. They're like, oh my gosh, I ate all that and I'm still hungry. Like that doesn't seem normal. I'm like, actually, it is normal. And then don't be afraid of it. Embrace that because you are an elite athlete and your body needs a certain amount 
to obviously perform at its highest level. And I love how you keep saying it's very individualized to the person because I think really our relationship with food is specific to us. And, you know, you're saying, oh, it is normal, basically helping them realize they should stop judging the amount or the portion in comparison to their teammate or their brother, whoever it is, because it is different for you. And I also love how you have this really great pair between the nutrients, the macros, the calories, the information, and then also intuition and how you feel. And um, that's one of the reasons why I thought you would be just the perfect person for this, because there are people, look, they want to plan. They want to hear the numbers. They want to get some order. And then there are people who want to practice intuitive eating and they want more of a, like a mindful practice. And so I think this information is helpful for someone to determine what works best for them. Absolutely. I could not agree more. And so there are like my fitness pal. I mean, I can, I can kind of tell that person, this is how many around calories you should have. This is how much protein you need. So then that gives you a range about where your protein should be for those athletes. And again, it's just a handful might be okay tracking it for a couple of days. Most people eat the same every day. So I'm like, okay, if you really need a sense of, am I on the right track? If they're not working with me personally, where I mostly have my athletes send me pictures of their meals, and then I can kind of steer them in the right direction. If they were to use some sort of app like that for just a few days, like, okay, I'm on the right track, and then delete it, Mm -hmm. which I've had athletes do before, and it works great because they just want to see what that looks like. But for for most of the girls that I work with, that would send them into an obsession Right. That, you know, so that's why it's, it's, it is individual. And when it comes to carbohydrates, I still feel like that is something most female athletes struggle with, Mm -hmm. which is the amount that their body really requires. That is our main fuel source. So if you tell me that carbs are carbs are absolutely Let's repeat the number that. one carbs are our main fuel source. Yes. They're not bad foods. <laughs> They're not at all. And if you're having an experience where you're not feeling good or you're feeling heavy, then I would ask you, A, is it psychological? Like, is, are you telling yourself that? Or two, are you eating maybe the wrong carbohydrates? Or are you just getting this idea of like, well, everybody's on this gluten-free kick, therefore I should be, when in fact, no, your body can easily handle having a sandwich and a you know, quesadilla or any of a wrap, not on a gluten-free tortilla. And then there might be some athletes that feel better eating other carbohydrates. So That's the trick, too, is understanding your body's needs versus what the media is trying to convince you that you should be eating. So if we use me as an example, let's say it is the night before a game against Stanford. So we're thinking, oh, hopefully this goes four or five sets at least. It's going to be tough. What would my ideal like pregame meal look like in terms of breakdown of carbs, protein, if I need sugar, all of those things. So I would go like a third, a third, a third, a third of your plate protein, I should say, a third of your plate um, carbohydrates, maybe a little bit more, and then some vegetables. We have these performance plates that I use with USC, so to give people a visual, but it could be almost, or it could be, again, depending, half of your plate or a, a good portion of it, carbohydrates. So if you think of like a rice bowl, just to give you a sense, that might be a cup and a half of rice. It could be about six ounces of chicken and it could be, you know, maybe a cup of vegetables and then maybe some avocado on that and some little bit of soy sauce or whatever you like. That might be a really good meal to make you feel like you can get the most out of your game. Right. And it was always interesting how I had certain teammates who they wanted to feel basically like packed. Like I remember some teammates who were like, I need to feel like I have all my food for this entire game and I'm going to last. I was on the more of the side of, I would rather be hungry for a little bit of a snack during like halftime. I think I play better when my body feels like I've satisfied it. I'm not hungry, but I'm also not like stuffed. So once again, you know, it goes back to being really individualized for the person. How do you suggest someone navigates their intuition during that meal to make sure that they're not going to overeat to a place of discomfort or they're not going to leave too much food and and not have the energy. Any tips and tricks to those cues? Absolutely. So I have a lot of tricks and tips, but mindful eating and eating slowly is probably one of the best tools. I feel like athletes are constantly on the go. They're running from one thing to the next, Mm -hmm. the next, the next. And sometimes they're just woofing their food down. They're not even tasting it or 
having their body really take it in and digest it well. So especially for a pregame, when nerves kick in, you don't want to be shoveling the food. So I always tell athletes, wherever you are, whether you're in a dorm or an apartment, find a place to sit. Maybe you light a candle. Maybe you have some flowers. Just make a space, not a cluttered with all of your school stuff. Make a really good space and make your food and sit down and just breathe and sit and have a bite slowly, mindfully, enjoy it and let your body tell you when you feel that sense of, okay, I feel a good, happy fullness is what I would say. And what you're talking about for you that you felt better feeling that like just, you know, satisfied, happy fullness. And then maybe 15 minutes before you get on the court, you have an applesauce or a little bit of just, you know, a little bit of pre-fuel to keep yourself going through the match. So again, it depends on the person. How do you feel best when you're playing or when you're doing your sport? But I would say the biggest trick in terms of mindful eating is finding a place, not in front of the TV where you're distracted, not while you're working on a paper and trying to eat at the same time. Really use that time to unplug and just reset and take some time to really enjoy your food and feel good after. And to even expand just from a player's perspective, I think that's phenomenal because we are always in a rush and it's like you're scarfing down the food while you're biking. You're late to class. You don't even remember how it tasted. All the food's gone. And even if it was a scenario where like I had to eat with my team, there are instances where you can say, I got to quickly wash my hands or go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom, take 10, 20 deep breaths, get calm, walk back out and like mindfully eat while people are conversing around you. But it's taking that extra little beat for self-care so that you can focus on the eating. I want to take a moment to talk to you all about Amp Human, who is sponsoring this episode. Amp Human is a performance company dedicated to helping athletes at all levels unlock their limitless potential. Their latest innovation is called D Plus Lotion, and it's a gel-based lotion that delivers vitamin D directly through the skin, and it's the first of its kind. Just two pumps of this lotion applied to the inner forearms contains 5,000 IU of vitamin D3 to boost your immunity, improve sleep quality, and support brain function. This is such a great solution for anyone who is spending their winter indoors, working inside, training inside. I mean, as a volleyball player, I was always inside gyms and convention centers. So I wish I would have had D plus lotion then to access these important vitamins, but I'm so glad I have it now because all I do is work at home and it makes up for the time that I spend inside social distancing. Not only is this lotion a great source of vitamin D, but it's backed by clinical trials and is proven to triple triple your vitamin D levels within three to four months of daily use. So please say goodbye to pills and say hello to D plus lotion. The easiest way to do vitamin D you can visit amphuman.com slash real pod and use code realpod 15 to get 15% off your D plus lotion today. Once again, you can head to amphuman.com, amphuman.com slash real pod and use code realpod15 to get 15% off D plus lotion today. We've been talking a lot about intuition and tapping into that. And I know a lot of athletes will feel like the choices they have aren't the best or the school dining hall doesn't have all these amazing healthy options. What is your advice for someone who is really limited in like, I get to choose this or that or here or there. We have one grocery store and it's not the best. Any advice for navigating that and also feeling like you do get to follow a bit of your body's cravings? Absolutely. So, you know, again, a freshman, I think, is difficult because you do have to be in the meal plan. And sometimes dining hall food is not always the healthiest. But I do think it's still doable. You know, I think you do the best you can. Sometimes these situations are not always in your control. Even when you're on the road and your coach is like, okay, everybody's eating at Jimmy John's. And you're like, okay, I got, you know, I got that exact question. What do I do when we only go to Jimmy John's? (laughs) It's okay. Like, so there's nothing wrong with Jimmy John's, but you try to find the best option for yourself that you're going to feel best with. Now, I do think most athletes should have some of their own food in their little refrigerator that they have in the dorm or or the um, apartment situation where they might be able to supplement. So if you go to a dining hall, you try to find your a good source of protein, some vegetables, and your carbohydrate. And if it's not your favorite, but you need to eat, sometimes you just have to do what you got to do, especially if finances are tough. You know, sometimes 
you just don't have an option to have all these extra food options at your dorm or whatever. So that I would just say, try to do the best you can. Really just stay present while you're eating because it's my favorite slogan that I have on my website is it's not about the food. It's about the feeling. Mm. And if you can just hold on to that, like even if it's not, even if the beans are a little bit in oil and you're like, oh, I don't really want to eat these. Eat an amount that feels good. Stay present. If you don't need to eat at all, then don't eat at all. But don't judge it. Don't be like, oh, I can't have that because I see that there's grease on there and I can't put that in my body. And Mm -hmm. it's like, well, if that's what you have as your option for dinner, you need to eat because that's most important. Stay present. Eat an amount that feels good. That's all. Oh, my gosh. I have so many questions. I'm so excited. Okay. I want to dive in to you mentioned the oil, right? And then this person that might think, oh, I can't have that in my body. There are obviously foods that have been deemed as junk food or not healthy or bad foods. A lot of times we see coaches being the ones who are like, no one can have cookies, ice creams, or sugar. And you're like, wait, I never really thought twice about a cookie until my coach banned it for six months. Yep. So how can athletes navigate some of those foods that do come along with that guilt and shame, whether it's self-induced or induced from society, and know that it is okay to have those things? This is one of my favorite topics because... I think there is this stereotype that if you're an elite athlete, you should take away all processed sugar and you should just be eating clean and healthy and you'll be this amazing, phenomenal athlete. (laughs) And the truth is that's just not the case at all, that you can have cookies and brownies and ice cream and actually anything. That's what I tell people all the time. Like, I don't care if it's a fried Twinkie or really. (laughs) I haven't heard the word Twinkie in years. (laughs) I say that because some of the fairs go on in the summer and then people are like, even a fried Twinkie? And I'm like, yes. Now it depends on when you're going to have it. You wouldn't want that clearly the night before a big game. If you're in touch with your feelings, right? Right, right, exactly. So you want to feel good when you have it and there should be no guilt and it should be with 100% permission. That's number one, because if you're eating something that you already feel bad about, the mentality is already there. Then you're like, well, I'm feeling bad because I'm eating these cookies. So I'm going to eat five or six of them because if I'm already being bad, it's that last supper mentality. Of I, like, this is my entire freshman year. <laughs> <laughs> I might as well just get it all in because I'm going to close this after tonight and I'm not going to let myself have sugar for a while. So since I'm already being bad, let me go in all the way eat as many as I can and feel sick. Wrong approach, right? So only going to lead to a a terrible cycle of restricting and then binging. And I've been there and absolutely there's no other way. (laughs) Yes. So for example, you have to understand your, like, this is where I love that individual work because when I talk to athletes and I say, when's the last time you had, gave yourself like a brownie or a cookie. And they're like, gosh, not in forever. And I was like, okay, what would that look like? So maybe you go out and get a cookie or a brownie. Maybe having a whole pan of brownies at home isn't what's best for you. So you have to understand your own needs. If you can have just one brownie and walk away and feel good, great. If you make a pan of them and find yourself constantly picking at them and feeling bad and not feeling good in your body, then that's not the right approach for you. But having a relationship with sugar and having a good relationship with sweets is so important because then there's no power over it. It's like, Mm -hmm. oh, if I want to have dinner and enjoy a cookie after dinner, great. You really can do that. And it's not going to affect you. And I'll tell you, I was definitely the girl who could not have it in the house and not in the healthy way you're describing, because I do know people are not binge eaters and they're just like, you know what? It's best for me to just not have a pan of brownies. There's two different levels. I was on the level where it was like, I didn't allow myself to have certain foods because I had no self-control. And now with all the work I've done, I have, I have to show you before you leave. Okay. I have this drawer of just the, I mean, just this crazy drawer of chips and cookies. And most of the stuff in there goes stale because I don't, just having the option is what was like the the safety fix I needed was the option. Mm -hmm. And so I just say that for anyone listening who's like, oh, I could never allow myself one cookie or one brownie, that it is possible you do get to a place in your life where your relationship with food is completely different. And I'm sure you've seen many stories of athletes who come in with a lot of issues and they don't know how to navigate it. And then they do get to a different place. What would you say is like the common denominator of the people who are able to find a healthy relationship with food? It's all about beliefs. To me, it's shifting their belief of this is bad. This is unhealthy. This is going to make me gain weight. 
to this is absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with it. You eat it in moderation. There's no way it's going to make you gain weight or affect performance. So I think it's really helping them shift the belief of what they currently have. So when I ask an athlete, so what are your beliefs around sweets or certain carbs? And they come in with a whole list of things that they've heard or read or wherever they got that from. And then it's really just going through each one and being like, okay, there's no truth to this. There's no, you can't bring me one research article that says if you eat this, this causes this. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't. So that's where I kind of start from is what is the relationship with it? And then shifting that belief. And then when you can allow yourself to have it more often, there's not that power over it. But if you only allow yourself to have sweets on a special occasion only, then there's there's still that that hierarchy because it's become your reward. And so you're only allowed to have it when you're good. And then all the other times, yeah, there's a whole complex there. And I was just like chuckling to myself, as you said, these crazy beliefs, because I, and if you guys don't want to hear this, just press skip 10 seconds. But I saw this thing once that said like cheese is cellulite. And so I'll never forget for the next year, I would just see like queso and I would just think that is directly going to become, it just, I eat not true. And I eat cheese all the time now, but there are so many of those warped things that are just not factual. I also wanted to ask you about the frequency of fueling and eating. So should an athlete be eating before the game, a snack during on the sidelines and after the game? How important are those things? What do they do for us? Yes. All yes to all the above, of course. So really fueling starts about 24 hours before. However, even during, you know, as you're practicing, if you're not fueling correctly during training, then coming to the big game, your body's not just going to perform at its best. So it's really about planning ahead. That's what's most important. Again, based on schedules and classes. So to pre-fuel 100%. So even if you're lifting weights in the morning, so you need some sort of, let's say, bar, or it could be a handful of dried mango. Again, that's that individual of what does your body feel best on? So that's number one. But you have to make time for it. If you're getting up and you're going straight to practice, and then halfway through practice, you're like, bottoming out, you know, you need something more. So it's kind of tweaking it based on, do you get through practice feeling really good or halfway through, are you kind of dying? So then we need to increase what you need to be having. And knowing that it needs attention. It's just, it's part of your training. If you want to be a great athlete, you have to allot the time to fuel and plan the fuel. You can't just say, I'm going to show up to practice and work on my technique. The same way mental health is important. You need to, it's 360. Absolutely. 100%. 100%. So Let's say they have something pre-fueled. Then right after, they need protein and carbohydrates. So typically, we would give them something like Evolve if they're doing more plant-based or maybe a Fairlife chocolate milk. Some sort of recovery drink is great. And then within that next, let's say, hour or so, they need to have a recovery meal, again, with proteins, carbs, fats, fruits, and veggies. And then it could be three hours after that, another meal. So it's really spacing Mm -hmm. and understanding what your day looks like, how much you need to be having to really fully recover throughout the rest of the day. Hydration is also something that's not really talked a lot about. It's really the food focus, Mm -hmm. but hydration is such a key player in all of this. Love it. How much wash should we be drinking? I mean, a lot. (laughs) So again, there's, I would say roughly, if you want to think of liters, because everybody has those either Powerade bottles or just like a an algae bottle or something, but typically four liters a day, depending on how much of us, how much you sweat. So if you're a really heavy sweater, you can't really hydrate on just water alone. So you need electrolytes. That doesn't mean that you have to drink Gatorade, although there's nothing wrong with Gatorade. There's nothing wrong with Powerade. Some athletes feel better doing other types of electrolytes like the drip drop or The Noom tablets are very popular at Whole Foods that a lot of people (laughs) like, but using electrolytes as well. So it's fueling with food, but also making sure you're hydrating. After literally sitting in the same sweatpants all year, no shame, I have decided to freshen up my wardrobe finally and have been shopping on Curtsy. Curtsy is an app where you can buy clothing items from real women in your size and style and sell any of your clothing items. Because if you're like me, you do a closet clean out at least once a month. On Curtsy, you can find brands like Urban Outfitters, Princess Polly, Champion, Free People, and Levi's 
all up to 70% off. I'm so excited because I ordered the cutest pair of Nike shoes and I got them for such a deal. And if you want to sell your own clothes, they make it so easy. They suggest prices, they mail you free shipping labels, and you can instantly cash out to your debit card. So if you want a sustainable way to get Urban, Champion, and Lulu delivered directly to your door, download Curtsy today and enter promo code REAL for 15% off your first order. Just search for Curtsy in the app store, spelled C-U-R-T-S-Y, and enter promo code REAL for 15% off your first order. Download the Curtsy app today and enter promo code REAL. How can someone make a plan without falling into obsessively counting calories, planning out everything they eat? Where's the happy medium? Because it sounds like there does ultimately have to be some planning. There does. Absolutely. So I would say take a seven-day week ahead or just plan a week at a time and look at your day. Most people will know if they have appointments or classes because the reason why planning is so important, you might have three classes back to back and then you got to get to practice. Well, Mm -hmm. how are you going to do that? So it's really, really important to be able to look at it on paper and be like, okay, now I need to have breakfast. And then during this 15 minute break that I have from between class to class, I may need to have a bar and some nuts and some fruit so that I can, you know, be properly fueled and then have something maybe 10 minutes after another class or whatever versus, oh, I have nothing planned. I'm going to go three classes back to back and expect my body to perform and then just rush out of the house with something, whatever, like a banana. Right. I'm learning actually through you saying this, that the misconception is, oh, I need to have a plan of exactly what I'm going to eat. But correct me if I'm wrong. I'm hearing you say, just glance at your schedule and make sure you have a reminder that you need to find something to do for lunch today or or snack here, but you don't have to bring and count what you're going to be eating for lunch. (laughs) That's exactly right. It all starts with the grocery shopping. So first of all, making sure that you have food in your house. And that's I always tell athletes, put a time where you're going to go shopping in your calendar like you would a doctor's appointment. That has has to be there because it's very easy to kind of get lazy on a Sunday. You're all like, oh, doing homework. But otherwise, then your week's not going to go well. So first, make sure you have your meals figured out and you have snacks. Just have an idea of what you're going to make. I do believe in meal prep. I think for athletes who are really busy, it's very helpful. Mm -hmm. So I help them figure that out. Just when you're making chicken, don't just make it for that night maybe cook six or seven chicken breasts and have that cut up in your refrigerator. That's great because we don't always have time to cook food. So I would do the same thing. And then you put it in Tupperware and then if you want it later, it's made. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. So that's that's a great, great little trick. But just have an awareness of when you're going to eat based on your schedule, I think is really important. You don't have to count anything out at all. Just knowing that I have food and I'm able to grab it and put it together Wraps and sandwiches, I think, are just so easy. You don't have to cook anything elaborate, but if you can make a turkey and avocado wrap with some veggies and you're good to go. So it doesn't have to be fancy, but it needs to have all the things, which is the carbs, the proteins, the fats, and your antioxidants, which is really important for athletes. Those are the fruits and vegetables. So that's sort of how you would build your plate. Are you able to just list off some good snacks? You mentioned dried mango. You mentioned applesauce. Just some generic things for Mm -hmm. people who don't even have an idea. Yeah, of course. So pre-fuel, that's where you're hearing me talk about the sugary, kind of sugary snacks, basically. You need to have some applesauce or dried mango or some dried fruit Again, whatever your body feels best on. But if you are physically hungry in the middle of the day and you wanted a snack, that could be anything from a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. If that's all you have, it can be something like nuts and fruit. It could be a nutrition bar, like go macro bar. A lot of our athletes love those. It could be rice cakes with peanut butter and sliced banana on top with some drizzle of honey. It can be anything from yogurt with granola and fresh fruit. So ideally for snacks, you would want to have some source of protein, some source of carbohydrate, and maybe a little bit of fruit. Again, depending on what you're gearing up for next. If you have a second practice, you might need something a little bit more substantial. I do like those yogurt bowls, like making a Mm -hmm. yogurt parfait, I think are really helpful and great. So yummy. So good. So again, it's really tapping into what feels best for me. You should not be figuring that out on the time of a big game. You should be really dialed in to what your body needs during the time that you're training and what you feel best on when you're on the court or in the pool or wherever you are. 
along with this, people were asking about morning workouts Mm -hmm. and not being hungry. Mm -hmm. What would you say for someone who's about to go into practice and they either it's early in the morning, so they haven't eaten yet or during the day, they're just like, well, I'm not hungry. And they're about to do something for three hours. Right. So they absolutely need to find a way to put something in their body. Applesauce is something we've used for a long time because it's a sort of pre-digested fuel when you think about it, right? It's broken down. It's usually very easy on the stomach to digest and tolerate. So to me, it sounds like they haven't found what works for them. They need to look into other options versus just like, nope, I've tried that. I can't eat before I get sick, which I've heard a lot of even my swimmers say too. They just feel like every time they eat something, they get into the pool and they just don't feel well. Mm -hmm. So I've had to work with them and be like, okay, well, if you're getting up five minutes before practice and you're shoving a bar in your mouth, yeah, no one's going to feel good. (laughs) So is it possible that you could wake up a little bit earlier? And I know sleep is you know, so important, so important. But then maybe you go to bed earlier. <laughs> Exa- that's exactly right. Oh my gosh. Who am I? I become, <laughs> I become the, not the athlete in saying that. But truly I talk about sleep habits with athletes all the time. Cause that's really where it begins. You have to get in good sleep so that if you have to get up maybe 30 minutes prior to training so that you can eat something so you can practice best, because why is practice so important? It's going to make you a stronger, more efficient athlete. So then the right. day of the big game, you're able to do your very best. So practice is critical. So you can't just like half-ass it. I hate to say that, but that's true. You can't just expect your body to like go 100 miles an hour when you've had no fuel in the tank. So you might have to plan and get up a little bit earlier. And applesauce, smoothies, anything like liquidized, I think it's easier to digest when you're not in the mood to chew or you really are not hungry. Is there a difference? Someone asked this. Is there a difference between eating the fruit, the yogurt, the almond milk and the peanut butter or drinking it in a smoothie or is it all the same? All the same. It depends on the, on the person. <laughs> so some people will say that the liquid in their stomach would feel a little bit heavier. Other people would say that feels great on my stomach. Like I really like drinking something. So no, it doesn't matter how if you blend it or if it's in a bowl, if it feels good in your body and you feel great during training, you know it works for you. Let's dive into weight gain because this is something that many athletes struggle with. I struggle with this myself. I think at my heaviest in college, I was 35 pounds heavier than I was in high school. And I just remember, and it was weird because I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, well, I don't look like I've gained 35 pounds, but here I am playing the sport. I'm muscular. Like this has been gradual. And then eventually I realized, and that was my heaviest. I did come down a little bit once my relationship with food healed because I was overeating at the time. But even at my, I would say best for performance at USC, I was significantly heavier than my high school body. And I had to realize, huh, I guess I just literally cannot play competitively at this level unless I am heavier. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. I mean, this is what, to me, this is one of my favorite conversations with athletes because there is that sense of like, oh my gosh, my clothes don't fit the same. My body is changing. And I'm like, yes, that's amazing. Like (laughs) embrace that. That's such an empowering thing. Here you are an elite athlete. You're, You're working your body. Your muscles are changing. That's awesome. Like that's a great thing. You can, once your sport is done and once you're, that all can change. But for right now, you need to embrace that you might, your quads are going to look different. Your shoulders are going to look different. And I know that's a tough thing for especially a freshman coming in and they're starting to lift weights and do training that they've never done before and, and their body is changing. And I think for me, what's exciting, and I know not everybody has access to this, but when you put them on a machine like an in-body and you can show them, wow, you have this much muscle mass, like that's incredible. Mm-hmm. Or you came in as a freshman with this muscle mass And now you're graduating, you know, with this. And it's just watching their body grow and develop is incredible and amazing. However, when you say if you're overeating and struggling with that, then I would say maybe that wasn't the weight that was probably meant to be and what feels best. Mm -hmm. But if you have a good relationship with food and you are fueling your body properly and your body is changing, that's okay. And that body might be bigger than what you previously were or what you think is quote unquote right or what society tells you is right. We learn from a really young age that weight gain is bad. Like that's the message is if you gain weight, it's bad. All we want to do is lose weight. All we want to do is weigh less. So it's really 
contradictory for athletes to realize that weight gain is good and you can gain weight and be proud. And that's a good thing. On that same point, though, there are athletes who have sports where their weight is directly like indicative of how they're going to perform or their starting spot. Like if we talk about crew or we talk about track athletes, I know in their field, you know, thinner body types are praised. How do you suggest someone navigates weight and numbers and those things when it does have an impact on their playing? Well, great question because so I have currently, I have the rowing team and then I also have the swimming and diving. Like look at the divers. You know, divers, you cannot, you have to be very lean. And so it does matter. It does matter for the boat, for the weight of the boat. Also, it does matter when you're diving. So to me, it's really just, again, working with them individually. Like, okay, if you need to be at a certain point based on what your coach needs, what you need to do to perform at your best, there's a way to do it in a healthy way. And that, I think, is the, the most important message, which is you don't have to cut anything out. We're just going to tweak your plan so that you're not starving. You should never be hungry as an athlete. If you're sitting there really hungry and trying to, like, chomp down a bunch of carrots so that you don't eat, we're in the wrong place, right? So, Yes, weight does matter for certain sports, and I understand that. But there's still a way to properly fuel your body and your muscles to make sure you're performing optimally with also having a good relationship with food. And you can have both. You don't have to have an eating disorder or disordered eating or a restrictive way of living in order to optimize your body's best performance. And I hate to say this, but you're right in saying like you do have to think about that if you are in these sports where it does matter. And I get people messaging me all the time like, well, I can't intuitively eat and I can't not step on the scale because of my sport. And that's where I personally feel like the only thing you can do is try to navigate it in a healthy way. And hopefully you are able to receive some guidance from someone like you. But otherwise, if not, sadly, maybe it's not best for you to keep doing that sport if it's causing these health issues and these mental health issues. And it's a bummer because you grow up playing the sport and you don't really think about it, but then you get to that higher level and it has to do all with your weight and what you eat. And that might just be the tipping point. 100%. I agree with that completely. Mental health is number one. And if you're weighing yourself constantly, so for example, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, hey, you know what? When we do the in-body, can I just not see the numbers? Can you just tell me where my trends are? And I'm like, absolutely. I love those athletes that come forward and are just honest and real. So if there is anybody listening who can be in a position where just empowering themselves to have that conversation with their sports dietitian, if they're at a collegiate level and just take ownership of that, which is like, this isn't good for me. Mm -hmm. And so every time I get on the scale, that just does something to me mentally, then you should not see this number and you should not be weighing yourself and calculating or doing any of those things. But if you are at a position where it's really taking a hold of your mental health, then maybe you need to take a step back. And right. Be like maybe I need to not do this right now and work on myself first before I put myself in this situation. And I, yeah. And I was lucky at USC. We didn't get weighed frequently. I have visited some schools I've spoke at where they're like every week the male trainer, not even anyone who has credentials to be in this position is weighing the team. And like, they're all, they all know each other's weights and it's just so toxic. So toxic. Absolutely. What are your thoughts on like the eating disorder, disordered eating, like the toxic culture that kind of can be present in a lot of sports facilities and athletic departments and amongst teams? I'm sure you've encountered that. Oh, all the time, all the time. In fact, I feel like that's that's really why I became a sports dietitian to begin with. So the eating disorder, disordered eating world is my passion. That is, that's what I went to school for. That's really what I've always wanted to do. So I love that I can blend both worlds with the sports and helping girls just feel good in their body and having a better relationship with food. But anytime I sit down with an athlete, I feel like this comes up. I mean, there's there's... There's just something about whether it's social media that has driven this or wherever it is that girls are mostly self-conscious about how they look, about what they're eating, what they shouldn't be eating. So I've never had a meal plan that I've done with an athlete where we don't talk about these specific issues. And on the topic of toxic team cultures, when you were just talking about that, and this sounds so embarrassing, but I was remembering 
times where I was like so obsessed with a teammate's body. So I was like, okay, I'm going to secretly eat what she eats. And I'm going to follow her portions. Like I'll be two people behind her in the buffet line. And I think we see a lot of people who look at the bodies of their teammates and try to eat and be like them. Yes. And the truth is there's not another one like you. And that's the truth, <laughs> yeah. right? So whether a teammate is eating a certain way, it really needs to be all focus, all eyes on what what is best for your body. How do you feel good when you're eating? So they may be eating a certain amount that's not even best for them, that they're just eating. Because, right. We have no idea. Right. We have no idea. Maybe they do feel sluggish in a game, you know, and, you're, <laughs> and we're following them. Yeah. It's like, wait a minute, that doesn't work. So it, it, you can't compare. You can't compare plates. You can't compare bodies. You are who you are. And that is awesome because there's only one of you and you have to empower your best self and eat the best the way that you can to play your best. And that's, that's the bottom line. One of my favorite quotes I've seen, tell me if you've seen this because it's the best. It's even if we all ate the same and did the same workouts, we would still all look different. 100%. That is absolutely correct. (laughs) That's why I love the individual work too, which is like, let's tap into your body, what your body needs, what it feels the best on, what it fuels the best on is going to be so much different than somebody else. And that's what I love about my job. It's connecting with them, helping them understand that they're not alone and that a lot of other athletes are struggling in the same way. But there's a way that we can work together in figuring this out so that you can have a great experience as an athlete and have a good relationship with food as well. COVID has absolutely spiked Mm. that through the roof because here you have these elite athletes who are so used to training now can't train. Yes. Now they're stuck at home and food becomes a way to cope and to feel good. So I've had a lot of athletes reach out to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, I've gained so much weight. Like I don't even feel like myself and just ask for help. And, you know, I've been able to luckily enough be able to help them and and give them some tools and ideas of ways to navigate that. But would you be willing to share some of those tools and ideas? Because yes. This was <laughs> our by far most asked question was this combo was how do I deal with the insane changes from COVID, right? The lack of working out and I'm not as active and the kitchen is right next to me. And also people who have graduated from sport quit, their teams got cut, canceled, all these crazy things happening right now. And, and their routines are different. Yes. So First, I would start with where's their mental health? Honestly, if you're feeling stressed out, which obviously just you just describe them being stressed, can they find a way to meditate, journal, find a, a find some peace? So instead of getting up in the morning, be like upset at the world because you can't do your sport and you're so angry and that's not going to help you. So I love the idea of finding a way to sort of decompress, whether whatever that is for you. Maybe it's a walk in the morning. It's something. But starting your day off with something like that. And then it's really, if you can't be as active, maybe you don't need to be eating as many carbohydrates, right? So if you are injured or you're kind of stuck and you're not able to exercise as much, then you do have to have an awareness of what you're putting in your body. And you would notice that if you're listening to your body and you feel the hunger difference from an intuitive eating perspective, I am just not as hungry when I don't work out. But the days I do hop on the Peloton, oh my gosh, I'm like scarfing down a huge breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And the days I don't work out, I can get by with, with less food and not from a strategized standpoint, but just my body is not craving as much fuel. Absolutely. Look at your mindful eating habits. Are you sitting down at a table? Sometimes if you're trying to work on a paper and you made a meal and you have it beside you, and if you literally go to that plate and you realize that you're done, that's completely mindless, right? You don't even realize when you're finished. That's a huge problem. So trying to eat without distraction is really, really important and make a space where it feels decluttered and you can sit enjoy your meal and then move on. That's ideal. Enjoy the meal. I also love that. Like all of these things are designed so you can have a great experience eating food. Food doesn't have to be this thing you hate doing and you check off this list, but satisfaction in food is everything. I feel like you are such a foodie. I'm such a foodie. Like I live to eat. I wake up excited to eat food every day. (laughs) I am such a foodie. And I think this is why I get so excited because when I start to design meal plans or grocery lists or any of that stuff that I do with athletes, I get excited that I'm able to share new foods that they're like, what? I've never heard of this or that. (laughs) Or 
Um, so it's exciting. Like today I brought you Baruka nuts. Yeah. Um, I'm if, excited to try those. And if you've ever tried them, I feel like we've all had almonds and cashews and pistachios, which are all great, but getting a variety of different foods is really important and absolutely enjoying the food that you're eating. If you're eating it because you feel like you should, and you're not really enjoying it, then you're going to be looking for something else. So if you enjoy your food, then there's like, okay, I'm good. I feel satisfied, tasted great. I can move on with my day. Or I felt like I had to eat this. It was super diety, super clean, no dressing, boring. Then you're just thinking about food for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. So what true. It's like if you just give yourself the bagel or the ice cream, then you won't eat your way through everything, quote unquote, healthy, and then just have the bagel and ice cream at 10 o'clock at night. Yes, 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 and yes. And finally, what is your best piece of nutritional advice just in general for anyone to remember from this? Because lots of information, which is great. But if they need to come back to one message, what's your best piece? I would say it would be my mantra, which is it's not about the food. It's about the feeling. Stop judging what you're eating and get into your body. How does it feel? So if you eat slowly, if you eat mindfully, and you stop when you feel good. That is the best piece of advice I can give you. Eat in balance and moderation, but enjoy and allow yourself to eat the things that you really like, whether that's pizza or French fries or chocolate, but do it in a way that makes you feel good. That's what I would say. I love that. Thank you for being like everyone's surrogate dietitian today. <laughs> I so appreciate it. And I know that people are going to love this. So thanks, Christy. I can't wait. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. If you enjoyed this episode with Christy, make sure you send it to a teammate, send it to a friend, share it with someone who you think could find value from this episode because I think everything she had to say was so important and so valuable. And if you enjoyed Christy and you want to learn more about what she's up to and possibly even work with her, head to ChristyMorellRD.com. I linked her website in the description of this episode for easy access if you want to check that out. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast if you have not subscribed. We have new episodes every single Wednesday. Not to mention, if you love this episode, leave me a review. I love hearing from you. You can also head over to the RealPod Instagram, at RealPod, and you can find more behind-the-scenes information about this episode. Thanks again for listening to RealPod. I am so grateful for each and every one of you who took an hour out of your day to spend it here with me. I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. And as always, don't forget to keep it real.